starting recording. Let's see. Oh, come on. Welcome to the Tim Biscuit Podcast. Before we get up to today's podcast, I just want to say a massive thanks and give a massive shout out to our sponsors that are RuneSilk.com, the Rebird Care Company, and, Teng- and Tenga.co.uk, they're a sex toy company. With both these companies, you will receive 10% discount off your first order or orders by using the code Tin Biscuit at checkout. That's the code Tin Biscuit, a capital T, a capital B. I will put all the information at the bottom in the description because I hate saying that. I always get it tongue twisted. Anyway, we've got a new guest today and that is Mike Speakman. Uh, thanks for coming on, Mike. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? And we'll go from there. OK, well, I'm quite old and there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> uh, and I won't start at the beginning, otherwise we'd be here all night. Um, I live near Brig, um, and I'm active in politics. I'm a member of the For Britain movement, a political party which was started a few years ago. Um, and you and I met up at a recent stand in the park in Grimsby. Mm-hmm. Uh, our party found out that the values that Stand in the Park stood for overlapped greatly with uh, our, what our party believes in as well. So we got chatting and I've ended up on here with you. Um, there's an awful lot I could talk about. Um, I've been active in politics for about 15 years now and it wasn't a natural thing for me to get involved with. But um, I'm one of these people who, when you see something wrong, I can't sit back and ignore it and I feel the need yeah. to do something. How, where did your interest come from politics? Was you said you've been in for, for was it fifteen years? You said so. Where did that first interest come from? What got you into like politics? So, like, sort of, what sort of job was you doing before that? Sort of right. into this. Okay, so there is a long story there. Um, I'm a policeman. I did thirty-two years in the police. I started off in Liverpool, and during my time in Liverpool Police, I got a scholarship to go to Liverpool University and I chose at that time to study politics and communication studies. I'd had an interest in politics even as a teenager uh, and I'm old enough to have seen Harold Macmillan at a hustings in Liverpool, uh, an election in the early 60s. So I can go back a fair way. Um, it was really an excuse for me to take the head girl from the local school to a meeting uh, but it didn't get me anywhere. <laughs> so I uh, but I enjoyed the politics bit. It was it was good fun. So I joined the police, uh, got a degree which included politics as part of it. Uh, and of course, in the police, I wasn't allowed to do anything. Um, you've got to be strictly neutral. If only that were true today, but never mind. <laughs> um, uh, and then, then in 1995, I transferred across to Humberside Police, where I was based at the headquarters in Queen's Gardens. And that's where I got to know Humberside, although I have to say I, did, I was over here in the miners' strike in the 80s, but that's another long story. Um, so uh, I retired in the year 2000, and I'd always had an interest in aviation. Uh, when I first left school, I tried to become a military pilot, but that didn't work out either. Um, but subsequently, I got a private pilot's license, and I... Bought a plane, and that was based at North Coast Flying Club, which is just south of Cleethorpes on the coast there, by Donnerock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after a few years, uh, or after a couple of years, I became chairman of the club, and it's, it's entirely run by volunteers. So I ended up managing uh, the volunteers with the help of other people to keep the club going. Uh, it's still going today. But after a while, um, I got a phone call from one of my ex-colleagues in Merseyside, and he said, how do you fancy working in Abu Dhabi? And I said, where's that? Because it wasn't uh, as well known as it is now. Uh, but it turns out it's one of the Arab Emirates in, on the Gulf, on the Persian Gulf. So I went out there to work for the police there who were trying to modernise themselves and emulate British policing. So I was out there for a year and then I came back mm-hmm. to North Coats again. But I got increasingly frustrated with shouting at the television and nothing changing. Um, so I felt the need to do something. So uh, that was in 2011 or so. Uh, I joined UKIP and got quite active in UKIP and eventually became the regional organiser for Yorkshire and the Humber for UKIP. 
I stood for election a few times and I ran campaigns all over the country and helped them all over the country. Uh, but when UKIP collapsed um, after Nigel left, they had an uh, election for a new leader. And I went to several of the hustings and there was a lady who impressed me the most out of all the candidates, a lady called Anne-Marie Waters. And she was streets ahead of all the others. She was much better. Um, so I started supporting her. And it was rather a surprise when the election actually took place uh, in Torquay. Um, the, the world's press were there expecting Anne-Marie to win the election. But she didn't. Um, uh, votes had been organised to support another fella who uh, was a mate of Nigel's, and he was elected leader. Uh, and in fact, he effectively destroyed UKIP. He just wasn't up to the job. So uh, Anne-Marie and I came away from there. And a month later, we had a meeting in her house, at that time in Essex, and we decided to set up a new party. So, Can I just, so Mike, you're a founding member of For Britain? Correct. Wow. Uh, yes. Cool. Yeah. So um, how? So there was just yourself, and there was just Anne Marie Waters. Yeah, uh, there were a few other people as well. Um, but I think of those original at the inaugural meeting. I think there's only three of us left at the moment. Other people have moved on and gone on to do other things. Uh, and and it, I mean, you, you can imagine the enormity of the task of setting up a political party from scratch. It, it is phenomenally difficult in the system we have. First of all, we had to fight with the Electoral Commission to get registered. They didn't want to register us at all. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the reason we're called the For Britain Movement is that it wouldn't allow us to be the For Britain Party, which is what we wanted. So we were stuck with the For Britain Movement. It, it took us six months to get registered, uh, which I think we achieved in April or May uh, 2018. We then fought a few by-elections. Uh, and we did quite well initially. We got seven or eight councillors at our first go and at very short notice. Um, and then the following year, um, we more or less maintained the status quo. And then in 2020, there weren't elections, but there were this year. And unfortunately, we didn't do very well and we lost most of the councillors that we got, although we still got several. Uh, so... Bit in the doldrums. One of our problems is the media won't give us any exposure. Anne-Marie used to appear on the television prior, uh, while she was still in UKIP. Um, but once we set up the new party, uh, the media just dropped us. And that's true for most new small parties. Uh, the media are very reluctant to touch you. They'll, they'll deal with uh, the likes of reform, which was effectively um, the child of UKIP. Because uh, it went, became the Brexit Party with Nigel, and then Richard Tice has taken it over as the Reform Party. So um, we've had a battle, but most of my life now involves working for Anne Marie and the party. Uh, and I have to say, on a voluntary basis, there's no money involved. The party can't afford to pay many people at all. Um, so it's, it's it's a daily grind. And but we all believe in very similar things. Um, we believe in freedom, democracy and justice, all of which have declined in this country in the last few years. Mm -hmm. So that's what motivates me um, and keeps me very busy. Because if you Google for like Britain, the first thing that like normally people go for is um, the Wikipedia page. Yeah. And it, it's called you a far right group. Yeah. What, right. So... Can you explain that? Because we all know how the media and I don't trust Wikipedia that much anyway. But could you explain to us why the would list you as a far right um, group? Because you've had Tommy Robinson support, but more or less surprisingly, you've had Morris's support from um, the singer yeah. from the Smiths. Yes. So we'll come to that Morrissey because that's quite interesting. But anything linked with really Tommy Robinson gives people like ebgbiz <laughs> right okay yeah right okay well i can explain the wikipedia entry first of all uh, wikipedia has been captured by the left and even the original founder of it was it jimmy wales um uh, he acknowledges that the left have taken over wikipedia our entry in wikipedia was written by hope not hate 
All um, right, that explains everything then. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a ranting lefty organisation who yeah. hunt down people who disagree with them. Yeah, um, do. We tried to change our entry, but it is what is known as blocked. Um, and Wikipedia have a hierarchy of editors, and there are some you can't change anything. So our entry is locked now. We, um, Amory went to America a few years ago, and we met some people there who said they could fix it for us. They couldn't, and we then got an offer from and people in another country who were expert in these things, and even they couldn't fix it. So we would disown our entry in Wikipedia. We did not make it, and we don't agree with it. Okay, isn't, is that listed on your website, something like that, just so it clears things up for people? Not that people who would read something like that would not go, but is there some sort of explanation to why Wikipedia would do that, just so people can understand it a bit better? We don't try and explain it on our website because it's pointless having a debate with these people. Mm-hmm. Um, we, what we do so, we, we make sure we are described as a centre-right party, um, which is more accurate about where we sit on the political, political spectrum. Although we're even reluctant to adopt the left-right uh, descriptions. doesn't really fit these days. Well, no, it's, it's coming to a point where conspiracy theory is a... Classes you as a right wing person. Yes. If you don't if you don't, like, you don't believe the government, you're right wing. But it's so surprising, and it's and it's just the the irony of um, the left fighting for freedom maybe ten years ago, but now it's the right that seems to be more or less fighting for the freedom. Yeah. And the it, left the left have become the fascists. They are the control freaks and hmm. the silencers and the cancel culture. They truly are. Uh, you mentioned Tommy Robinson. Yes. I'll just say a thing about him. Now, you might think me as a policeman would have no time for Tommy Robinson, or an ex-policeman, I should say. Um, that's not true. I actually believe Tommy is right in what he says. Uh, he goes about it in a bit of a ham-fisted way. Um, and he's been treated very badly. And he has been a bad lad in some of his past history. But what he said about grooming gangs and the role of the left, I absolutely support. Yeah. Which is uh, why, I mean, most of our party would feel sympathy with him. I mean, it's like that um, panorama thing when they try to stitch him up. Yeah. And it's not the try to stitch him up, the, like, try to stitch him up with a sex crime. Which, like, was even worse. Yeah, well, they, they, they've done the same with Anne-Marie. Um, Anne-Marie has been party to a number of documentary programmes, and they've always ended up attacking her. And, in fact, we're waiting for another one to come out in a couple of weeks' time. Um, Anne-Marie stood in the Batley and Spen by-election, which I think was in June, um, and that caused a lot of outrage locally. Uh, but at the same time, Channel 4 were making a documentary about the history of the British Empire, and for some reason wanted to involve Anne-Marie in it. Um, and they made the documentary, and it's due out Saturday evening, the 27th of November, on Channel 4. Mm-hmm. And we expect it to be a hatchet job on Anne-Marie. But fortunately, ah. we recorded all the interviews ourselves, so we've got a record of what she said. Because they will, they will edit it to make us look in a bad light. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just about to say. Did you make sure you recorded it? And again, going on to this podcast, this is one of the reasons I got this podcast going, was purely because everyone was getting cancelled. It formed in 2018, so everyone was getting cancelled. And I thought, I'm going to do something about it. I'm no yeah. good at really writing, so I couldn't do a blog. So I thought, I will do a podcast, a free speech, all unedited podcast, um, which is important to me because yeah. what's said, said, and then I can't edit it to follow a certain narrative and now i've said to people and people know i've had i've had paul golden on from um britain first i've had mps on i've had dominatrixes on i've had trans people on i try to get the biggest wide range of people i sort of can get from the left to the right though funnily enough it's only the right that seem to want to talk and come on the like like left don't but just so then you can hear it from people's own mouth. You're not going to the press for it. You're getting it from the horse's mouth. Yeah. And that's, that's you know... That's yeah. important to us because our party's banned from... Well, we've just come out of a ban on YouTube. Um, but we're banned from most social media. We cannot get our stories across 
Uh, and it's, I'm sure that Ofcom are behind the whole thing. Uh, we can't get in the press or national television. Not even GB News. So Not even GB News? What's that just we've made numerous approaches to them. Oh, right. What, what, have they responded back or just not bothered responding? No, they've never, res- they've not responded. Uh, and we must have sent them 30, 40 emails. Just ignore yeah. it. Uh, I have to say there is probably a reason for it in that Nigel fell out with Anne-Marie when she nearly won the leadership, leadership election. Right. And, uh, Nigel said some nasty things about Anne-Marie, so that won't help us with GB News at the moment. No, I mean, I've not really watched GB News, to be fair, to be perfectly honest, but what I have seen, it's been mostly that Neil Oliver, the guy from Coast, the Scottish guy. Oh, okay. well, he's only on once a week, I think. I would recommend GB News. They get a very wide range of um, topics, and they will say the things the mainstream media won't. I mean, they, yeah. they have a, a big analysis of grooming gangs, immigration. Uh, there's nothing they won't touch, and it's quite refreshing. Because the BBC and Sky in particular are a waste of time. They just yeah. churn out the left agenda uh, and, and really puppets of the government. Well, the BBC are in good stead, are they? Because, like, you know, the harboured a paedophile for how many years? They've still got that statue up that was done by a paedophile. So and after Panorama, they've got sort of no chance, really. Yeah, well, I think the BBC have lost all credibility with anybody who takes the trouble to look at what they're doing. Uh, it's just, uh, they're just feeding out rubbish uh, and lies a lot of the time and they won't cover. I mean, it, it really annoyed me. Um, a couple of years ago, there was some really large football lads marches in London, you know, talking about 10, 20,000 people. Uh, and they were, the BBC and Sky ignored them. The only place you could find out about them was on social media. Uh, and it's all part of the big plan to control the agenda. The, the, like, at the moment, there are massive protests in France, Italy, Australia, um, even Canada, uh, against the lockdowns. Yeah, you won't, the mainstream media won't cover them. Uh, would you, would you say, would you say the social media is the new news? Yes, but even that's not totally reliable, because you do get some absolute nutters on there who put stuff out that's, just not, not true as well. So you've got to be quite select or quite careful about how you interpret what you see. But if you want raw footage of big demos in Australia, social media is the only place you'll sign it. And there's tens of thousands out on the streets in Australia protesting the lockdowns. And Australia appears to be the most authoritarian. It's got the most authoritarian approach to the dealing with the lockdowns of any country in the world and you just wouldn't think Aussies would be like that. No. Have you heard about what Austria is doing and Germany? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's like locking down, I mean, I'm surprised from Germany because you would have thought they would have learnt from the 1940s with the Nazi regime, but they're locking down the unvaccinated. And yeah, if, I, I mean, if you I, think I, about that, that's, that's crazy. Anyone who accepts that is crackers. Yeah, I agree. And, um, it's unenforceable, in my view, unless you get people to wear a yellow star, you know, is it as bad as that? Um, the, the, there are not enough police to enforce it, even if they wanted to. And I've seen today that the Austrian police and the Austrian army are refusing to enforce the laws, uh, which I think is a really good thing, because the government can only get away with this if we don't object or do not consent or resist or whatever way you want to put it. They only get away with it while we allow them to. Uh, oh, so, and we need to stand up to them. So, as the Aus- because I hadn't heard that yet, has the Austrian police said they're not going to enforce that rule when it comes out, walking the light, spot-checking people? Yes, the o- Austrian Police Officers Union has said that, and so have the uh, Army Union. That's really good news. That sort of cheered me up now, because I was a bit depressed when I read <laughs> that, because I sort of read about Germany, then I thought, I'm just going to search for UK. And then it said, oh, it might be coming to the UK. And I thought, oh, for fuck's sake, you're kidding me. So, I mean, it's not like anyone would, but I think it's getting to a stage now where it's dividing families, it's dividing friendships, it's dividing relationships, and it's dividing society. It's where, well, I don't want to go nowhere where there's an unvaccinated person, and then there's the mask issue. And it's like, I would have thought, I mean, I've said this again and again, but I would have thought um, the government would have provided yellow biohazard bins for use masks because it's yeah, such yeah. a highly effective 
a like highly effective killing virus that we have to well not but like sort of people have recommended maybe four shots a year some that daft or sort of like sort of two shots a year should i say not four two shots a year but yet they didn't put any biohazard bins in for the masks that we see littered everywhere but yet people are scared to death of the unvaccinated but fine with that i just don't get it and that's how the press you've mentioned it before our like the bbc and co um manipulate and contrive the public and the public are falling for this because they're too scared it's the only thing logical thing that i can think of it is they're too scared to think for themselves because reality will lit they'll take that red pill and that'd be like well the government wouldn't lie about this well they lied about weapons of mass destruction they're not yeah. they're just not to be trusted yes there was a time when I would have trusted the government, but um, the weapons of mass destruction was the final straw for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I do not trust politicians in general. And well, you are I'm, a politician of sorts. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, if anyone described me as a politician, I would consider it an insult. <laughs> uh, you know, it, 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 they're despicable. I, I would say I've, I've met about two or three at the most honest politicians. The rest are all self-serving, and that covers both Labour and Tory, and the Lib Dems, and the Greens. Um, I would not trust any of them. And this government's approach to the whole COVID issue has been totally illogical. I mean, you, you can't leave the... Oh, one time, you couldn't leave the country without a vaccine passport or get back in. But they allow a thousand illegal immigrants a day to come in unvaccinated and untested. Uh, it's just madness, absolute madness. That's. Uh, I mean, I understood. I understood the um, the immigration thing too greatly because I'm not really. I don't want to get involved in the, like that sort of like debating. But what I can see is, and what I can gather is, the French don't like us. The French are always pissed off with us. So I don't think they're even checking these people. They're probably letting them just go and say, "Go on, there's England." And then as soon as they're here, they put in to the system. I mean, I think everyone should help. I think the whole world should help real refugees. And I think we should all do it as a world thing. I don't think it should be only reliant on one country. And I think we have to be just realistic about it. You can't invite a thousand people to a party that 5,000 people want to go to. You've only got to have so much. But if someone else offers, that's fine. But it's a lot of pressure on us. And with Brexit going and there's jobs are plenty here and things like that. I just think it says a lot about the English work ethic as them like well, but also that's a different issue. But yeah, I just think the French are to blame. <laughs> yeah, well they are. They're, 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 they're happy to see the back of them and if they want to come here they'll be they'll facilitate it. And it's quite obvious they have been. Uh, well, there's the, no real interest in looking after our interests. No. And it's like sort of that's fine. I mean I haven't got a problem if it's a like a real refugee and they come from a proper war-torn country but i i would expect other countries to help out as well and be like all right we've all got to play a part but it just seems the french have got it in for us especially with this fishing thing and like that and brexit and everything and i think they're making it hard hard for us but yeah i agree i don't think there's any doubt about it and if any mutation, and I'm and I'm not being racist, I'm not being funny when I say this, but I would say if any mutation does occur, it would probably come from maybe a foreigner. I'm not being racist when I say that, but we need to be realistic about things. And I just don't think anyone's being realistic because as soon as you say something, you're classed as racist, you're classed as this, you're classed yeah, as that. And it's like, do you want to know what racism is? It's like a prejudice to a different... I can't even say the word, but it's a prejudice to a different coloured skin. And it's yeah. not, you've, you've just got to be realistic about it. And it's like, we've, oh, I don't know. And you just can't talk to the left because they get personal from the offshore. And I know this for a fact because I've been there and I've played the game. I've been to a Labour socialist meeting and I know what they're like and I know how they work. They can't argue. They're just full of anger because yeah. they don't. And then just one day I just sort of, it was mainly when I started my podcasting and I learned a bit more and, you get to know a bit more and you get a bit more experience. But yeah, it's, 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 it's just crazy. It's crazy. We've entered clown world. No such thing as sex now. No such thing as gender. You can be what you want to be on a different day. And if you think otherwise, I don't mind. Anyone can do anything they want in like this world, but you've got to allow the other person to have their opinion. You can't make someone accept your view because that's not how life works. It would be fine if everyone could live 
but we don't. And that's what makes humanity and so and sort of society great, because like we all have different views. But it's getting to the point now where you can't do that and you no. get ostracised well, from like I, I, social I mean, media, you'll get ostracised yeah. your friends. It's all part of the, the council culture. Um, a couple of years ago, Anne-Marie was invited to speak at um, a university and uh, the students ganged up and refused to let her in and the university backed down. And that's despite the fact that Anne-Marie addressed the Oxford Union several years ago. Uh, and in fact, it's on YouTube. There's a video of her speaking at the Ox- an Oxford Union debate. Um, so she's quite, you know, she's got things to say and they are worth listening to. But the left don't like them. Um, and, and they will shout, scream, throw their teddy bears out the pram to try and stop her. And it's, it's not just... Yeah, it's it's some like crazy where like where it's like trust the science. You've got to listen to the science. But what people don't realise, and I'm referring back to the vaccine, when like say trust the science. What people don't know is science is about questioning. That's how we progress yeah. through life and through science is through questioning and, and learning. That's what life is about: learning and love. But at the minute, we're not learning. People are quite content to come home from work, put the news on, get one steady stream of bullshit from the media and not look or think for themselves. I mean, critical thinking is just gone now. You've got yeah, to follow that, a certain the, narrative. That's the fault of the education system, that kids are spoon-fed at schools. Uh, part of our, mani- our party manifesto is to completely revamp the education system and rewrite the uh, curriculum, because it's full of left... I mean, there's some schools are doing critical race theory now, uh, which, you know, defies logic. What's um, critical race theory for people that don't know? Right, okay. It's a dogma that originated in America, I believe. I mean, I'm no expert. Um, but it teaches that white people are to blame for all the problems of the world and that black people have been are always oppressed by white people. And there's nothing uh, there's nothing to justify it. It's just the way life is. And people need to understand their white privilege. I mean, even government have brought into it. Um, they've had made it compulsory for civil servants to attend diversity courses where this rubbish is preached. Uh, and in fact, they were, it was made compulsory for some MPs and some refused to go and the government dropped it. Um, but it's all part of the race relations industry, um, which came to a peak last year with Black Lives Matter and the disgraceful scenes we saw there. Uh, so, I mean, the, it's not... It's not as though the problems we have are confined to one segment of society. It's everywhere. Um, Our courts are rubbish. The police have become rubbish. Um, The NHS is a basket case. Um, You know, I could go on. Nothing works in this country anymore, and it needs sorting out. So, going back to the police, I've got two questions here, and one that will tie with what you've just said. But um, what... Does your old friends that you was in the police think of the party you've now gone to or the path you've took? Do were like they have, have they distanced just themselves from them or are they like in agreement? Because being in the police back then, which is a question I'm going to tell you now, you had the SPG Special Patrol Groups. So I'm sure yeah. you can remember them more than I can. And I was yeah. going to ask you, what do you think's changed from? Because I'm 43, so I grew up in the 80s, so I'm lucky enough to go back when, like, technology fails. I'm, like, quite lucky enough to go back to books. But yeah. what do you, what do you think's changed from the 70s and 80s to the 90s to, to the 2000s to the 2010s? What's changed for people, A, not to, like, be scared of the police, B, to have, like, a 5-foot, 18-year-old police girl that couldn't do anything about anything, and... Society, why society got so, so like soft and so clown like? Well, it started. Well, yeah, I joined the police in 1968. Um, and the job, I mean, the job was really different then. Uh, most policemen were ex servicemen from the war then, so you had a different mentality, um, which was, I won't say rough. But no, they wouldn't tolerate any messing about. They'd, they'd come up in the in military environment uh, and they could make decisions, were confident in what they could do and were not afraid to enforce the law. 
Then, from the 60s, you had a number of reforms in the criminal justice system, uh, like the Children's Act 1969, which made it quite difficult to get a child before the court because the perceived, well, I won't say wisdom, but the perceived view at the time was that it was better to keep children out of the criminal justice system because uh, they were usually misunderstood or their mothers didn't love them or something like that. So, in the end, you, you, you had little sanction against uh, young kids. But it, it, that's not the whole of it. It goes on from there. Generally, legislation became weaker and weaker and weaker. And at the same time, um, the government were keen to diversify the police force, for want of a better word. Uh, at that time, it was they wanted more women in. Because when I joined, we used to have a separate women's police department. Um, and they dealt with missing kids uh, almost exclusively and sexual offences and stuff like that. So it's a separate role. But the, the Equal Pay Act um, and pr pressures to integrate women in the major police force resulted in some police women ending up doing patrol work, which they never joined to do and not didn't want to do. But to get more women in, and in particular more ethnic minorities, the education standards were continually being lowered and the physical standards. And you reach the point today where you don't have to be British to be a British policeman. Uh, the height restrictions have gone. The educational standards have been almost done away with. Uh, and they're quite happy to take people with convictions now. So the whole standard of the people you get in the police force have dropped. And from the 60s, the people who have been recruited under this rather lenient regime have now risen to the top. And we have a lot of social workers running the police force. Uh, you won't find an old-fashioned chief constable running a police force these days. They're all socially aware liberal lefties. And the government have contributed to that by the creation of the police and crime commissioners. I mean, one of the critical and golden ruses in policing was you had to be neutral yeah. and you didn't get involved in politics. Well, and, and the chief constable was seen as the formal head of the force. And if there was a problem in an area, the chief constable would be the one on the telly answering the questions. Now it's the police and crime commissioner who's a political animal who in practice is wholly accountable to the Home Office. Yeah. The, the police have lost the independent voice that they used to have and they've become puppets and mani or manipulated by the government to suit their agenda. And the government agenda has moved from what was a fairly, I thought, a fairly well-ordered society, despite the strikes we had in the 70s and 80s. Uh, we came out of it quite well. Uh, and then it was all thrown away. Um, even now, we are becoming more and more anarchic as time goes on. So I'm fairly pessimistic about the state of everything at the moment. <laughs> I was just about to ask you, where do you think it's going? Where like, do you think we'll be, say, this time next year? Will like, will be certain restrictions for vaccinated and unvaccinated? Will there be any camps? Will there be all lockdowns? What do you envision? Personally, I don't think the government can enforce that sort of regime. They've got away with it up to now. And, and to be honest, even I forgave them the first lockdowns because... They didn't know what they were dealing with or what the implications were. But it soon became apparent that locking people down was worse than the virus itself, if it exists, and that's another story. But I, I don't think the government are capable. I think people will resist that. They're not prepared to roll over. Uh, and we're always being told there's a backlash coming, but I wish it would come a bit quicker. Um, it, people have accepted too much from the government. And there's certainly a, a hidden agenda going on. Uh, I don't think the government will ever get to the point where they could enforce another lockdown. And I don't think the British people, and I hope they wouldn't, would accept camps for unvaccinated people and stuff like that. Just not on, in my view. No, but reading some of the comments and hearing some of the comments on certain news websites and that, it does make you think... Some of them would like it like that. I think they would. I mean, I think there is an authoritarian streak amongst most politicians. And if they can get away with it, they will. Uh, but it's only, it's only us, the people, who let them get away with it. Uh, there are not enough policemen or soldiers to enforce the, the COVID stuff on the whole population. 
Um, yeah, there's just not, if enough of us stood up to the government and told them where to back off, uh, they'd have to give in. The, the, the country would be ungovernable if they pushed too hard. But maybe that's what they want. And then to introduce some sort of martial law, that's sort of another theory that people have had. They're going to push it and push it and push it until people do snap and they'll say, right, martial law. I don't think they're capable of it. I don't think there's enough soldiers. I mean, they keep cutting the army. And they are, there's less soldiers than there are policemen now. Um, and, and if you're going to do that sort of control, it's got to be 24 hours a day. And, the, and there aren't the numbers to police the cities, it will be in particular, to that level, 24 hours a day. I remember in the 74 miners' strike, or was it 74? I mean, the miners' strike in the 70s when uh, we were all on a three-day week. Um, all the police forces around the country were working 12-hour shifts, and I was in Liverpool at the time as a foot patrol. And once the power went off, the only all the streetlights went out, and the only sound you heard was breaking glass. The shop windows were being put in, and the premises getting robbed. Now, if you multiply that across the country, I mean that there is just not enough policemen or soldiers to deal with that scale of uh, unrest. But, do you, but will they be needed? Because do you think the public, which has surprised me, one thing has surprised me of how many people that I knew who's just said yes to it all and not even questioned it, and I've lost friends through I'm sure everyone's lost friends and gained friends from it. But um, it wouldn't surprise me if like, the big majority of the country would just say yes, because they've been in, like, they've been manipulated in such a certain way. They've been manipulated that the majority of them, I'm not saying all of them, but I'm guessing the majority of them will quite gladly have two shots, three shots, four shots a year. And no doubt this new patch, they've like, got a new patch that can attach to your skin um, that does the um, vaccine instead of a needle. And it might be a bit more effective. So the, so the first trials of that's going on and they're hoping to get them out by 2025. That's a scary thing when people start putting things on your body. There's one thing having it, and then it's like, it, it, it's, it, it's so strange. It's so strange. And I think I think we'll be surprised that there will be a lot of people who will accept it. Yeah, uh, and, and uh, I think that's true. Uh, and in fact, it may even be the majority of people uh, will just sit back and accept what's coming to them. But it doesn't need many uh, on the other side who resist to coin a phrase. Um they still can't cope. I mean, I think there's what, about 100,000 police officers in the country. Well, I don't, know what, I don't know what the current figures are, but it's about one to four or 5,000. So it's just not on. They cannot control a population where a substantial part of it does not consent to what they want to do. But Australia seem to be going along with it, even though they've got massive protests. I mean, I, I mean, I ain't caught up with it so far because, I mean, the police are still for the government as far as I can, I can see. Yeah, and I'm not, there are some who are against in Australia because um, I do keep an eye on what's going on in Australia. Um, and I think, I've forgotten, is it Dan Andrews, the president of South Wales? I, I, I probably, the geography is probably all wrong, but they're head of one of the local states. Uh, has had to water down proposals he was doing in because the police and a lot of the population said we're not happy about doing this. And there are policemen who have resigned from their job rather than enforce what they're trying to do in Australia. Now, I mean, one thing, people may not uh, understand this, but policemen have a very, very strong sense of justice. Uh, you brought up with it, or certainly I was, and my era was, that sense of justice doesn't always match the law, and that's where a policeman can get into trouble, because uh, our, our criminal justice system in this country is such rubbish and so ineffective uh, that policemen get frustrated, uh, and they see justice not being done. So it, it's, it's a complete mess at the moment. There is no unity in the country, and there are different factions um, but if enough of them can get together, they can stop the government in its tracks. Yeah, I mean, why do you think it's all happened? Do like, you believe COVID's actually real? Do you believe it's as serious as the same? Or do you think there's some... I mean, I think nearly everyone, even if like you're all down for this, 
well, I say nearly everyone, I hope nearly everyone knows there's something more amiss going on. Yes. Than, like, what's going on. But what nobody knows probably is people have said maybe a, yeah. a control system like China. But yeah, a social credit system, yeah. I think that's definitely what the government wants. And I think that was part of their attempt to do away with cash during the lockdown and force everybody onto credit cards or debit cards. And now they've upped the limits. You can, it's quite difficult to spend cash these days. Uh, you know, and I think that that's part of the government plan. I mean, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> I say that, uh, perhaps I should say I wasn't, but there's definitely some world global agenda at force because the actions that have been taken by different countries and different governments all appear to be coordinated and working to the same agenda. And they all go around wearing this silly little circular badge, which has got all the colours on, which is um, Agenda 21. And then they all come up with the Build Back Better slogan. There's definitely something central in the world controlling what governments are doing. And And interestingly, it's really only affecting the developed countries. And the reason for that is all this technology, all this what they want to do is based on technology. Do you, so, do you uh, think technology is a bit of a humanity's downfall? It's certainly given the government a, a tool which they would never have had. You won't find governments being able to control people in the same way in Africa or some of the Asian undeveloped countries because they haven't got the technological infrastructure. But if you, you know, if, if you've can be have to produce a digital COVID passport, or if you want to go somewhere where there's a list, the the government can only enforce that through technology. There's no way a paper system or uh, some other informal system could manage the control that they want to achieve. And if you're not using credit cards or debit cards and you're using cash, they can't control that either. So there appears to be a big plan somewhere. And it does worry me that it's going down the route to ch- that China's gone with social credit systems, where the government control whether, where you can spend your money or whether you can spend your money, whether you can travel or what, what films you can go and see. Um, and we are, we have the basic infrastructure laid out for the capability to do that. Uh, and it just sounds horrendous. It's like something out of a science fiction novel from the 70s, which I, I used to read a lot of science fiction. And you say, oh, it never happened. And, I, and you'd end up with a society, or they would portray a society where there was a ruling elite and an underclass. And I never thought I'd see myself as part of the underclass. But it's definitely possible now. Uh, because I am ostracised. Um, I, I can't influence things. Now, that's one of the problems about politics at the moment. Um, if you follow the legitimate route of playing in the party political system, Small new parties are disadvantaged considerably, uh, and they run the system to benefit Labour and the Tories, and anybody who tries to interfere gets sat upon. Yeah, it's, it's a sad state of affairs. So if people wanted to find out a bit more about your um, what you do, what For Britain is, and get more in-depth with it, have you got, I mean, I know you've got a website. I don't even know why I'm asking that. You have a website, don't you? Have you got any social media? Well, you're panned off social oh, yeah, media. Oh, yeah, all, right. all over <laughs> social media. Our website is www.forbritain.uk. There's no co in it. It's just straight .uk. Uh, you'll find us on social media. We're on Telegram. Uh, if you look at For Britain on Telegram, you'll find us there. Um, various branches. Are, we have about 50 branches around the country. And various branches have their own social media sites. Uh, if anybody wants to get in touch with me, they can email me at mike.speakman at forbritain.uk. And I'm quite happy to chat to them. Uh, we've always, we've struggled to recruit in Grimsby for some reason. Um, when I, when I was running the Yorkshire and Humber region, we had a really, really strong group, uh, UKIP group in Grimsby. But many of them went to the Tories when UKIP collapsed, uh, which has dried up a source of potential membership for others. But there are, we have got members in Grimsby, uh, but we'd need a few more to become uh, more active. So if anybody's interested, uh, and I'm talking the whole of North and North East Lincolnshire, um, drop me a line and um, I'll get in touch with you. 
Brilliant stuff. So, like, what's your plans for the party, and what's the plans for the party in general? Is like, there anything? Right. Well, we've got our conference coming up uh, in a ten days' time or so. Our annual conference, which will be the first one for two years. Um, so that's the next big event from what yeah. we're doing. But it's a members-only thing. If you're not a member, you can't go. Right. Uh, so you'd have to be a member of the party if you wanted to get a ticket. Uh, but if you join, uh, you can buy a ticket through the website. Um, other than that, we're we're at a bit of a crossroads uh, because we're constrained with access to the media. Uh, we're having to rethink the way we do things. We originally, uh, well, we fought a few parliamentary by-elections. In fact, Amory stood in Lewisham in London not long after we got the party started. Uh, and that was a real bun fight. Um, there was a hustings and the left blocked access. Uh, there were two or three hundred of a howling mob outside the premises and they wouldn't let Anne-Marie in. Um, so the, well, the left will attack us at every opportunity and you, often violently if they can. Um, so we're careful about where we go and what we do. Uh, we took a decision that we would concentrate on getting council candidates um, in the first place uh, because it's a little easier to deal with locally. It's not as big a challenge as doing parliamentary by-elections. But we also realise we need sometimes to do parliamentary by-elections, not because we expect to win, but because we get some publicity out of it. And that was the case with Batley and Spen. Um, I mean, it's a heavily labour area with all its associated problems. Um, we never stood there to win but we got a lot of coverage after it and raised a lot of money for the party doing so cool. so our strategy will continue to be that uh mixing things um but very much concentrating on grassroots campaigns and supporting other organizations where we can that's excellent stuff one last thing before we get gone um there was another famous person and that was morrissey now how did morrissey come to hear about you and did you meet him and no, I, I, haven't met, I haven't met him, but I did um, create an award for him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Um, Anne-Marie, throughout her life, has been a big animal welfare um, supporter. Right. And she's got dogs herself and a cat now. And about just over two years ago now, we started a campaign against Halal which is the religious slaughter of animals uh, who are unstunned. The law requires an animal to be stunned before you cut its throat uh, and let it die. But there's an exemption for religious slaughter, and we're totally against that because, the, I mean, uh, there's some horrific videos on YouTube of uh, animals, unstunned animals being slaughtered. I've got a really unappointed a really unpopular belief about that and I think that if you eat meat you can't really complain on how the animal dies <laughs> that's just my personal view because it's going to get eaten it's going to get turned in yeah and, it's, and it's that's the, the end product between, for me yeah it's the step between the two between mm. alive dead and how that happens and anyhow I won't argue with you over it but uh, the, 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 I think there is it's important that the animal doesn't suffer anyhow Morrissey is likewise a very uh has very strong feelings about animal welfare, and that's the primary connection uh, to Anne-Marie. And he was doing a concert in Manchester yeah. somewhere, and he gave Anne-Marie a plug. Uh, and that started, he, his record company dropped him, and he got loads of abuse from all over the place. Uh, but he stuck with us, and he's worn one of our T-shirts at one of his concerts, and I know he promotes us at every opportunity he can. And him and Anne-Marie have met up, uh, but I haven't met him. I've, to be honest, he doesn't sing my sort of music. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Simpsons took the piss out of him as well for doing that. You know, I'm sure there was a thing in the Simpsons about it, yeah. So you should really have a look at that and see if Britain, or for Britain, is mentioned in the Simpsons. Oh, yeah, that would be good, yeah. Uh, Let me have a... I'm just going to quickly Google Morrissey Simpsons. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe I've got it wrong. No, yeah, it is the parody in the form of Smith's front in an episode of The Simpsons, a character voiced by a bending at the Earth, you're depressed. Yeah. 
There you go. I'm sure it was in The Simpsons. <laughs> I could be wrong. I could have dreamt it. No, I, about it. I don't watch The there. Simpsons, so I wouldn't know if it was anyway. <laughs> and, and nobody else has mentioned it. So, so are you off to stand in the park again? That's another. I thing will be there on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've uh, I may have recruited some more people during the week to come along as well. Uh, I was quite impressed because up up till when I went a couple of weeks ago, I'd be going to the Scunthorpe stand in the park. Um, and it's much smaller and not half as active as the Grimsby group. Uh, I was quite impressed by Grimsby, although I oh, don't good. think everybody says, but um, that's politics you never do get 100% agree with. But I was very impressed with the enthusiasm, the passion and what they stood for. So I, I think we, many people, many people disagree with what's going on at the minute, all the theories behind it, but we all want the same goal, and that's just to be happy and to be free. So yeah. with that, I don't think it really matters because we're all fighting for the same goal, and I think we need to be careful not to be caught up in the politics of, well, no, it's this what's happening, no, it's this what's happening, let's look at the end picture, and yeah. we need to work as one, and that's where we'll be stronger because the others will fight among themselves. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's definitely true. Um, we all share the same end goal, um, and it doesn't matter what drives us there, but it's where we need to be. Definitely. Well, thanks for coming on, and remember, anyone can come on the podcast uh, to talk about anything they want. You're more than welcome to come back on, Mike. Um, if you can send me all the information through um, an email or something, or just through Telegram, and I can put that in the description, and... I will send it to you when it's ready, the podcast. But, yeah, anyone that wants to come on can do. We are going live on the 30th of this month. So it's going to be like once a fortnight or once a month. We're going to do a live show. The only thing you do need to download is Podbean. I don't get anything from Podbean. It's just where my podcast is hosted from. And it's just a podcast app. It's one of the best ones out there. So, But you can interact by going on the message board and talking. And we will have an email. So... We'll see how that goes. It's just something different and something to see if people are interested in. So it's going to be like a live radio show. So we can tune into that, but it's Podbean. But I'll put all the information in the description. So there you go. Thanks, Rob. I'll, um, yeah, I'll, I'll see you to get the information you need. Thank you very much, and I will see you Sunday. You will indeed. I will do. Right, you take care, Mike, and thanks for coming on again. Thanks, Rick. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Tin Biscuit Podcast. Podcast.